This is Heather Vickery with the Brave Files podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 100, The Century Mark. Chris McBrien here. This is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Doing something a little bit different this week. As I mentioned, uh, it is our 100th show. So instead of doing this remotely, uh, Derek Myers, caveman himself, has decided to make the drive up here and we are in studio together. Derek, welcome uh, to my studio and it's nice to see you in person, bud. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I think uh, this was long overdue to do an episode together in person in the same room, old school radio. I know. Yancey and I used to do the show together, as you know, and he's in Florida. I'm obviously up here in Canada. We'd have to do it remotely. And uh, you being down in Toronto and only about an hour away. Yeah, about an hour. But then we decided, hey, why don't we get together and actually do this show for the 100th uh, episode? So we thought we would do that. I I normally would ask you what's new and exciting in your life, but I guess it's really confined to hanging out with me tonight. You know, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But one thing that you did do was you came up a bit early. We spent time with my two young sons. I have two boys. I've mentioned them on the air before. Uh, They're six and they're nine years old. And Derek, you brought along a game. You want to share with everybody what game that you brought to play with uh, me and the boys tonight? I brought... Star Wars Escape from Death Star, the original 1977 (laughs) classic that we have talked about on numerous episodes in the past. And let me tell you, it was a blast. Uh, We both actually lost to my six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But oh man, was it fun. And it was a real throwback for me because I was even explaining to you certain parts of the game. I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. I remember those pictures and everything. Oh man, it was great. So it was just wonderful. But no, it's really, really nice. Before we get started, oh, there was something that I wanted to mention to you. Since I have you here, I got I have something for you. So just hold on a second. I have some presents because you brought because you brought me a presents. I brought you a couple things too. So the first thing that I have for you here, here is this is your very own shirt look at this and i want to bring you back to my time so this is actually a Smokey and the bandit oh. shirt for you <laughs> so that's for you my friend a Smokey and the bandit shirt so i know nice. you like you tend to like things that are a little bit more newer and but i wanted to Why, is this an old used shirt no I, have you but, worn it all you know life? it's from 19 you know it's from 1977 right so nice. i just wanted to get you that because it's i own one of these too and i i just i thought of you so i wanted to get you one and the other thing that I wanted to wait, get wait, you wait. was... You, you saw Smokey the Bandit, you thought of me, because you I remind you of Burt Reynolds. That's what it is, okay. exactly, the Burt Reynolds. I, I, yeah. okay. Well, I know you I remind me of the fact that you like all these new things, and I like the old things, and I'm trying to win you over to it. So I thought one way would be, like, bribing you. And the other thing was, I, look, at I have a microphone for you. Look at this. This is a microphone. You can't obviously see it, the people that are listening, but that's for you. I want you to take that back to your uh, home studio, and I want you to install that new microphone, and then we will uh, record our next show with your brand new microphone. Way, so to, be, way to be passive-aggressive on the, the audio, poor audio quality of what I've got now. But I will <laughs> I will not read into this gift. I will accept it with yeah. gratitude. Thank you with, so much, Chris. Yes, with the kindness in which it was given. Trust me. Um, so a couple of things before we get uh, we get started. Uh, I wanted to mention, uh, too, but before we get right underway, obviously I mentioned I started doing the show with Yancey Eaton. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to Yancey because if it wasn't for Yancey doing the show with me for, you know, the first, you know, 80 some episodes, there wouldn't be a show. You know, he and I started doing the show back in July of 2016. Um, we're at our 100th show now, and without Yancey, there would be no 100th show. So I just want to say, man, I love that guy. I wish that he could be here with us tonight. 
Um, actually, I did extend an invitation to him, but you know, it just didn't work out. So it's uh, it's all good. But uh, I'm definitely thinking about him. So big shout out to Yancey Eaton, man. If it wasn't for him, there'd be no show. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I've been listening since the very first show. Chris, you gave me a heads up when you were putting this show together, and I remember thinking that is a great idea. Old guy, young guy. Talk about pop culture, the different viewpoints. I can remember, even after the first few episodes, telling some of my friends that are pop culture aficionados about the idea, and they were very excited. It was easy to talk about your show and help people find it and listen to it and love it because it was such a fresh take. It wasn't something that replicated a formula of a show that was already out there. It was something completely new, completely original, and you guys just killed it right from the very beginning. And I'm just glad that I was able to be a part of it. Uh, we did. We, we looked up. My first uh, guest spot was way back in January of 2017. Episode uh, 26 was about remakes and reboots. And uh, Over yeah. two years ago. Over two years ago. Yeah. And I did a few guest spots along the way. Uh, a couple of times when Yancey was unavailable. And then uh, obviously now that Yancey has had to step back, we've, uh, we've taken over. The, well, taken over. You've graciously invited me to keep Yancey's seat warm. And we've obviously had to tweak the show a little bit because I am not the millennial that Yancey is. And come on, who is the, the, the millennial that Yancey is? And so I obviously bring something a little different to the show. But I'd like to think that it's different enough from your viewpoint that we can still have an interesting discussion and we can keep our listeners entertained. We definitely do. And and I think you've just sort of stepped in seamlessly. It certainly helped, as you mentioned, the fact that, you know, you're a regular guest. You've been a regular part of the show basically almost since the beginning. And so it's been pretty seamless for you to join. But a big thanks to you, too. If you didn't step in, the show would be over. Right? Oh, well. So let's just keep thanking each other. Yeah, Chris, you're you so great. Thank you for putting on ah, the podcast. No problem, yeah. okay. All right. 100 episodes. Let's get going. I am a super nerd. Dude, I don't know how you didn't get more girls in high school. Or guys, for that matter. I got no... <laughs> Nothing. You're a man. Just club them over the head and drag them yeah. off. Oh, my, my, my. And I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. You're not a nerd. Oh, they, women I, love them. Well, yeah, they do, but they're all nerdy women, so... The Fawns is 73 years old. Raiders of the Lost Ark is basically Steven Spielberg giving a master's class on how to make a movie. I found a Fonzie shirt that I want <laughs> I for Christmas. I saw it, yeah. And my wife was like, you're not getting that. Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> okay, I'm finished. Okay, one thing I want to mention right at the top uh, is why I love doing this show. A couple things. I obviously love pop culture from Generation X, as you can tell. I, you know, the Smokey and the Bandit t-shirt, you know, hopefully going to win you over too. Uh, so that's one thing. I love this pop culture from my generation. I just love it. This is also a hobby for me. So I'm a very busy guy. Uh, you know, my day job, I'm a, I'm a college professor and, you know, working on my MBA, going to school. This is my hobby. So I love doing it on uh, Friday nights. And I like hanging out with you, man. It's a lot of fun, even though like, even if it's a virtual hangout. Exactly. Yeah. You know, tonight's very special because you're actually here beside me in studio. But usually we do this remotely. But it just I just like getting together and hang out with a with a friend that I've had for 25 years that we can get together wow. and still talk about movies just it like we definitely. did b back in 1993. You know. Yeah, so, I was just saying that. Wow, it's been a while. When you say it's been 25 <laughs> years. Wow, I know. That's pretty amazing. And one of the things that brought us together as friends, uh, if as you remember, when we first met back in like '93, was. Um, we, we both love movies and we, we were kind of brought together uh, by doing fantasy sports of all things like hockey pools and baseball pools. But the thing that kind of made us uh, kind of hang out together more than the, the rest of the guys in the, the league was we both love movies so much. So we just kind of, you know, gravitated and we became friends. So we went from there. So yeah, obviously big thanks. You know, you, you've joined the show and things like that. A couple of things I want to go back because, because you have been, you know, part of the show for a long time. Okay. But you also weren't here like when Yancey and I first got started. That's true. But one thing I will notice 
that I've noticed, sorry, that is continuous, both when Yancey was here and now that you're uh, the co-host on the show, that has remained constant, is this idea of the disappointment that comes <laughs> when I don't like one of your movies. So with Yancey, he would nominate a movie and then I didn't like it and he would just uh, be like Sorry, crushed. let me stop you. Yeah. Yancey would nominate an excellent movie. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. And I wouldn't like it and he would just be crushed. And then I thought, well, maybe that'll change a little bit now that Derek's here. But it was so funny because now you've come on the show. I think it was just not that not that long ago. I can't remember what it was, but your saying just killed me because you, I basically critiqued the movie that you suggested, and your response was "Calm Blue Ocean, Calm Blue Ocean, Calm Blue Ocean." <laughs> and I was just like, okay, he's pretty upset. So I just that disappointment that you guys both have had. I've always enjoyed that. So that's one big thing for me. So going back to a couple episodes that you were not a part of. I want to bring them up because to me, like they were some of my favorite episodes. One of my absolute favorite episodes, I just want to mention it before we get into anything else. In episode 47, we did childhood celebrity crushes. And so the whole idea, the concept of the show was when we were kids, okay? So when we were like 10 or 11, like who were the celebrities that we had a crush on? You know, when you're, it's an innocent 10 year old crush. And I took it within the spirit of what it was. I mentioned like Athena from the original Battlestar Galactica. She was played by Marin Jensen. And then also I mentioned Boof from Teen Wolf played by Susan Ursity. These are just two people that I, two girls I just had major crushes on as a kid, very innocent crushes. And the thing that I loved about that episode so much was you've got me, you know, talking about my childhood crushes. And Yancey was basically just mentioning, and, and he was very pointedly describing how they were women who looked just like his wife. <laughs> and the reason I thought it was funny is like, this is a guy here who like, it just seemed like he was worried like that his wife would listen to the show and like give him for having a crush on somebody when he was 10. You know what? I just, I don't know. To me, that, that was really funny. Another thing that I really enjoy doing, and I've done this more before you came on the show than since you've been on, is uh, you may have noticed I really enjoy singing uh, holiday rap. I love the holiday rap, Chris. Holiday and I love to encourage you yep. to sing the holiday rap. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget how it goes. We're going to ring, ring a dong for a holy day. Put your hands here. Let me hear you, you say. say. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love it. Um, so is there any episodes that kind of jump out to you from the, maybe the early stuff that you kind of maybe weren't, I don't know, maybe a part of originally? Like another one that came out that stood out to me was way back on episode five, Guilty Pleasures. And again, I just got to rag on Yancey for a minute because... I basically was like, I don't want to say I was burying my soul, but like I was talking about stuff that was like, like embarrassing. Like, okay, I like saved by the bell. And I, I admitted that when I'm in my kitchen and when I'm alone and I'm cooking dinner by myself, that I pretend that I have a show on the food network and I like talk to myself and I explain my way through like, like I'm on TV and it's just like a guilty pleasure that I have. And I do this and Yancey would be like, oh yeah, I like dank memes. And like, I'm like, you're not embarrassing yourself at all. Like, again, he used to make me laugh on that. I got a question for you. Back on episode 14, we did a show on our best movie opening sequences yes. of all time. Yep. And I'm just wondering if I had to put you on the spot and ask you, yep. all time, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Just think about it for a second. If you were transported back in time, if you were on the show at that time, I'm curious to know, just because you're a huge movie buff like me, what would you say is your favorite opening movie scene of all time. Any film. So I'm going to say two answers that you guys both picked. Okay, go for it. Steven Spielberg's responsible for both of them. Mm -hmm. Saving Private Ryan, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, it makes sense on both. Uh, you and I have both said Raiders. Yeah, yeah no, the like Raiders, yeah. Uh, I think, is number one, hands down. Uh, we've said more than once, Raiders of the Lost Ark is Steven Spielberg giving a master's class on how to make a movie. 
There's just so much you can learn from that. And I think anyone who listens to the show has heard us talk about that so much. We don't have to keep going into it. Uh, But let's take this to a newer perspective. Sure. Since we know you haven't seen anything since Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is true. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) I I thought this might come up because we talked about the possibility of you asking me questions if I had participated on some of these lists. And this is one I thought you might pick. Okay. A movie I know you have not seen. Yep. Guardians of the Galaxy, which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mm -hmm. has a pretty good opening sequence as well. Okay. I wouldn't say it's action-packed. All right. I'm writing it down as we speak. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy. Watch the first three minutes. No, no, no. Watch the whole thing, but appreciate the opening for what it is as you're watching this two-hour movie. Don't just watch the first three minutes and stop it. Um, Yeah, I think that's something a little more recent that... um, you haven't seen that I think when I eventually make you watch this movie, you will like. Okay, that sounds good. I have a question for you too. On episode 13, we did Rolling Stone Magazine's top 100 TV shows of all time. So Rolling Stone Magazine obviously put out this list of what they felt were the top 100 TV shows of all time. We kind of talked about some of the picks that they had put on there and stuff like that. And then we gave our own list. And I'm wondering... Because I can tell you right now, my number one show that I mentioned on the list. The wait, wait, can I can I guess? Is no. it Happy Days? <laughs> it's not Happy Days. Wait, it's is not. it The Love Boat? <laughs> it's surprisingly it's not. You'd be surprised. It's actually a show from the 90s, and I know it's a show you don't like. Seinfeld. It is Seinfeld. Yeah, I said Seinfeld is is the greatest TV show of all time. I just think it sets the standard for sitcoms. It's unbelievably familiar. When you flip around TV and it's on, you're taken immediately to a very comfortable place and a familiar place. And I just think, you know, for those reasons, and it's really, really funny too. Um, And so for all those reasons, I feel it's the number one TV show of all time. Uh, So I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to take you back. I'm going to, let's say, put you on that, that show with us. What do you, I'm just curious to know, like from your perspective, because... The, the critics all agree that this one show is number one, which I did not get. And that was The Wire. They all said, and I and I just, I don't know, I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I tried it. I gave up. But I'm curious to know, Derek, uh, if I could put you on the spot, what do you think is the number one TV show of all time? So let me comment on the two you just mentioned. Okay. So The Wire is the textbook answer I think you're going to get from a lot of people. I have seen The Wire. I enjoyed The Wire. I can why, see why, why, I can like, see why, why you didn't like it. It's, why is it the number one show? I don't get it. What am I missing? You got to remember when The Wire came out, this, the way the show, the way the story was told was not the same as the way normal broadcast television was told at the time. Most of your broadcast television at that time were things like Law and Order, where you have a self-contained episode. You jump in at any one episode. You don't really need to know what came before, what came after. You get a satisfying beginning, middle, and ending. And a lot of TV was that sort of procedural, CSI, that kind of thing. The Wire went back to this old school idea of we've got 10 episodes. We're basically going to tell you a 10 episode story arc that is linear, that take that is episodic. You can't just jump in at episode four. You are going to be so lost. We're not going to give you these extensive recaps. You just have to start at the beginning and watch your way through it. Each season did this, but each season built on the season before it because now you knew the characters. Now you knew what was at stake. Now you understood their background. And I believe it ran five seasons and each season was radically different. Um, And I think that appealed to a lot of people because even if you didn't necessarily love, say, season two, you could appreciate it, especially if you enjoyed season one. And then season three was something so different. You're like, okay, it's almost like getting a new version of your favorite show every season. But in all fairness, Mm -hmm. it is quite slow. It is a slow burn. You really have to get invested. 
Now, it had a, a lot of very strong performances, and that certainly helped it. But, for example, my wife loves Idris Elba. If Eldris Elba showed up at my front door and said, mm-hmm. hey, my car got a flat tire. Can I use your phone? My wife would literally push me out the door, and she'd <laughs> be like, over. don't come back. <laughs> and she would bring Idris Elba in. Yeah, that's that. he's her new boyfriend. And he is in this. This is one of sort of his breakout performances. And she can't get enough of Idris Elba, and she couldn't get into this show, even though he's in this show. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I, it, it's not for everyone, but the people that like it really like it. Now, you also mentioned Seinfeld. Yeah. I, again, I didn't watch it when it was on. I've seen a lot of the episodes in reruns. There are certainly some great ones. There are certainly some that I just didn't get. But if you go back now and watch it, it is definitely a product of its time. It's now 20 years old. Yep. And much like the show Friends, if you go back and watch it now, a lot of what was funny then, which was funny in the time, is not considered acceptable now, is not nearly as funny when viewed through today's contextual uh, lens. Mm-hmm. And I think that although Seinfeld is great and many people love it, I, I think over the years people are going to start to be more critical of parts of it. Okay. I'll give you so. that. Like I, I just, I just felt it was kind of groundbreaking. The fact that really, like I mean, obviously, you know, uh, sitcoms have been around forever, you know, since then. And but for me, it was groundbreaking in the sense that it was, it was really about nothing. It was just yeah. the minutia of everyday life just yeah. looked at through a microscope that I just thought was just interesting. And on its surface you just kind of look at it and go that's ah, just about a bunch of neurotic jews in new york but it's not it's not about that at all it's a lot more than that and i think it's relatable right across the country Absolutely. and its success obviously speaks to that i wanted to get your in input onto an argument that uh yancy and i have had an ongoing argument uh on this podcast and i've never had you jump into it you're you do like star wars i mean you're not the biggest star wars fan in the whole uh, wide world I'm a pretty big star wars you're fan. pretty big right sure but I want to know, is it AT-AT or is it A-T-A-T? No, Go. it's, it's AT-AT. Thank on. you. And, and and so Yancey always thought it was A-T-A-T. Well, Yancey's, Yancey's wrong. That's what I said. And this argument went back and forth. And then finally, I was able to reach out to Phil Tippett, you know, the legendary, you know, special effects guru on Twitter. And he responded to me and he said, no, it's AT-AT. But he said that the reason why it gets confused is, you know, the chicken walkers, like the two-legged ones? The A-T-S-T? Yeah, they, that's pronounced A-T-S-T. So right. that, then people get thrown in. But the other one is at at 100%. True, true fans are not thrown by that, Chris. Exactly. True fans. Don't. And you know how I knew that it was at at? How? Because I remember in my youth, there was a commercial, television commercial, advertising the Star Wars toys, including the at at. And there was a figurine, I uh, want to say, I think he was called the Adat Commander. And yep. I remember in the toy, the guy's like, that was a tough battle, Adat Commander. And the kids kept calling it Adat in the commercial. So that's always why I assumed it was Adat. You think Kenner would get it right if anyone well, would, right? Yeah, so you would hope so. So uh, I have a question for you. Was there any episodes, if you look back on the sort of the episode list from before you came in? You mentioned you were first on the episode or first joined us on episode 26. Right was the first time. So was there anything before that or even after that, you know, because you came on as a guest, but you weren't regular until, you know, really, you know, into the 80s and our episode numbers. Was there any episodes that you wish you could have been a part of or that you had some input on? Like now, looking back that you're like, no, no, I wish it was this or I want to say that. Uh, Well, I mean, in all fairness, absolutely. I would have loved to have been on just about every episode, especially the top five ones. Those, Those are always my favorite, the top fives, because I always feel that. I sort of straddle the line between your top five and Yancey's top five. You and I have enough in common that we usually share one or two picks. Yancey and I have enough in common that we share one or two picks. But I always feel like I've got one or two picks in there that is sort of just outside of both of your comfort zones. 
And I think that comes largely from the fact that I worked at the Blockbuster Video Store in the yeah. mid-90s, which is a little before Yancey and a little after you. Mm-hmm. So it sort of gives me that perspective that neither one of you is is you know, in that same, same mental state in that same place all the that, time. The nineties were, weren't, it wasn't our sweet spot. No, I'll no. give it to you. Yeah. That's, and, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, broad statement, I would love to go back and revisit, you know, 20 or 30 of the episodes, but that's not practical. Right. Um, but there were a few, I mean, I'm a big, big Saturday Night Live fan. So we one did your, that on like episode four. Yeah. One of your very first, ago, yeah. and that, that was certainly one of the things that, um, really, ensured that I was going to keep listening. I mean, obviously, you're my friend. I want to support you. I'm going to listen. But I got to be honest. If the podcast sucked, I wasn't going to listen very long. I don't blame so, you. So in third or fourth episode, you start talking SNL. And that was it. I was I was already pretty much in, but that certainly cemented it for me. Uh, and again, so I, so I have a question. Yeah. Can I, if I can jump yes, in. Yes, please do. So because in that episode, we talked about Saturday Night Live and how it's gone through lots of incarnations over the yes. years. And then we also gave you like the top fives. We gave a top five list of our top five all-time favorite SNL performers. Yep. Yancey's were all new people, obviously, yep. and mine yes. were all old ones. Yes. And I'm curious, if you had to name one SNL performer over all the years that it's been going on as your all-time like personal favorite, who would it be and why? So, I mean, again, I want to go to the textbook, which is basically your answer was five textbook answers. Mm-hmm. And and I think I would certainly pull from your list. I always loved Eddie Murphy, fan awesome. favorite, awesome. was so good in, in so many sketches. Uh, and more recently... I think some of the people on Yancey's list would certainly have appeared on mine. Um, I was, I'm always, in the more recent years, I love Bill Hader. I thought he was great. Andy Samberg was great. He did all the short, uh, uh, Lonely Island uh, shorts. Right. And so, you know, sort of touches on both of your lists. But I, I think that the 90s was sort of not nearly as represented on your lists. And so I think that there was certainly a huge cast that came out of that 90s. Uh, you know, you had Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and uh, and Rob Schneider and Dana and Carvey, Dana Carvey yeah, Mike and Myers, Mike Myers, exactly. And that's no not relation to, to you, by the no, way. No, no. Although it was from Scarborough. But yes, no. and I think I may mention this on previous podcasts. When I went to university, <laughs> and Wayne's World had just come out, and people were like, "Oh, who are you?" I'm like, "Hi, I'm Derek Myers. I'm from Scarborough." And they're like, "Are you related to Mike Myers?" And I would be like, "Yeah, he's my cousin." Because it was a good good way to pick up ladies. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, totally. He's my cousin. Can't you see the resemblance? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Wayne Campbell's my cousin. Good conversation starter. Yeah. yeah, but um, no, I felt I felt again that there was a lot of good performers in the '90s, even great performers in the '90s, yeah. who I wouldn't necessarily say are my all-time favorites, but I just didn't feel got the love in your episode uh, that they it. deserved, and yeah. I could certainly uh, argue that. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, any other uh, episodes that stood up to you other than SNL that you kind of wish, kind of if you could go back, you'd be like, hey, I, want, I just want to have some input in that. I wish I could have been part of that episode because this is what you guys missed. You, you know, you missed this or missed that or whatever. Well, a lot of the movie reviews that you guys did, especially Yancey's picks, I just feel that I, once you came out and said, I didn't like this movie, which pretty much you said on all of them. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah. Yancey, very much like me, was now in a position to defend his movie. And I think in a lot of cases, I, I mean, I'm going to speak for Yancey because I think I've been in this situation. You come out, you say why you don't like what I think is a fantastic movie, and it sort of crushes my spirit. And now I'm <laughs> coming I'm coming from this place where I have to like actively defend this movie that I think is great and is great, and you're just flat out wrong. But it sort of throws you off your game a little bit when you you think, okay, right. he's going to love this. There's nothing There's nothing he's going to say that's going to be wrong about this movie. This movie's great for so many reasons. And then you say, this is why I don't like this movie. And then suddenly you got your back up against the wall. You're trying to figure out how to defend your favorite movie, and you miss like 
what are obvious ways to defend it. You say, well, hey, talk to him about this. Talk to him about this. And I think in a lot of cases, Yancey's frustrated and he gets, you know, and then he, he misses points to, to try and defend his movie. Now, honestly, I don't think there's anything he could have said in most of those shows that would have changed your mind. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of the ones where I had to agree 100% with Yancey. I loved it for a lot of the same reasons. And I just wished I could have been a part of it to throw him that support and say like, hey, I love this movie too. And here are some reasons why Chris needs to reconsider. So a couple that came to mind. The Martian is one of my all-time favorite movies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, especially it's more recent. Um uh, and most importantly, because it stars Matt Damon. Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> um, yeah, and you guys did The Matrix, which I think Yancey did a great job in uh, in defending. And uh, you guys did District 9, which I know you didn't like. I actually liked District 9. I thought it was pretty good. Okay, good. Of all the movies he's given me, that was one of the first ones that he gave yes, me. Yes, yes. And I actually didn't mind that one. I actually enjoyed it. My wife didn't like it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, and I actually rewatched it again uh, within the last few weeks, and uh, it definitely stands up. It is quite good. I really enjoyed it. Now, in all fairness, though, Yancey did have a couple of picks that I, I hear uh, either I know or I hear are terrible. The Lobster I heard was terrible. Oh, so, it was awful. Yeah, oh, but he one of the worst movies. But ever. he gave you Snowpiercer, no. which I know you came up with a very clever name for. And uh, <laughs> I, I got to disagree with you on that one. I, again, I watched that one again recently, and I thought I don't know what's wrong with Chris. I think this movie's great for so many reasons. Uh, rounders about with again Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, poker movie. Uh, but the reason I didn't like Rounders was because I'd already seen it and it was called Goodwill Hunting. It to me was the same script. I don't know. It was just the same thing. All right. But, so anyway, there's there's a bunch of the movie reviews that I, I certainly would have loved to have been a part of, but I don't think would have necessarily changed your opinion. Um, the other, I see you did one on One Hit Wonders. Yeah, I love '80s music, '80s videos. A lot I, I got of one hit wonders. From the yeah, days. we could do 20 shows on one hit wonders. We do a top 100 list on one hit wonders, and I think that there wouldn't be too much overlap on our list because there's so many to choose from. So. Um, okay, so I, I what I did was I reached out to uh, to some listeners and I asked for some questions and comments, and I'm going to read a couple here on the show, right now on the show and just get our reaction to this. So uh, here's what I got from Kurt Kalin. He's our good buddy. Kurt's a great guy. And his question is, how long did it take from the idea for the show to recording the first episode? So I'll take that one. Um, So basically, I've mentioned this before on the show. So Yancey and I started out by doing another podcast. We did a a podcast, a fantasy baseball podcast called Dear Mr. Fantasy. I did that show for a couple years and I brought Yancey into that show. And when we were doing that show, we would cover fantasy baseball every week. And then I realized, oh, we're missing an opportunity to add something fun to this show. So because Yancey and I had a lot of chemistry and the fact that he was a millennial and I was a Gen Xer and he was like completely engrossed in his pop culture and I was completely engrossed in mine, I found it was fun at the end of the the fantasy baseball show to wrap things up by playing um, a, a game that I called Fun with Yancey. And I would just mess with the millennial and I would just like ask him all these like questions that you can totally know the answer to about Gen X that he would never know the answer to. And so we just had so much fun that when it became time for me to leave that show, I knew there was another show. And I didn't want to give up podcasting at the time. I I had to give up that show for a lot of reasons, but I still wanted to keep doing podcasting. I wanted to do another, another show. I knew there was another show in me. And I just felt that that was the show. We got to do like a pop culture thing based on what we did there. So basically from when I had the idea for the show to when we recorded it was less than a week. Wow. I had the idea. I was like, I know what we're going to do. We're going to do this. I pitched it to Yancey. He's like, I'm on board. This is so fun. We basically get to do our fun segment at the end of our show 
for an entire episode. Count me in. And we started, and then like I mentioned before too, and, and I'm sure you know, a lot of, whether they're TV shows or movie, mostly TV shows, anything that's episodic in nature, if you go back and listen to like, or watch the first episode, it usually takes a while to hit its stride. And I'm pretty proud of the fact that I think if you go back and listen to episode one or two or three or four of this podcast, it's not all that different than episode 100. Yeah, I think, I think, and I mentioned this earlier, I think your concept was so strong that it really just hit the ground running and it didn't need a lot of tweaking or adjustments. You had your top five list. You had two guys that were from different generations that came at it with a different perspective that were able to offer different points of view, sometimes different, sometimes similar, and that could both critique the other guy's choices to a certain extent anyway and and see the, the pluses and the minuses. Obviously, for Yancey, it might have been more difficult because he may not have seen or was may not have been as familiar with the things that you brought to the top five list. But I think that for the most part, you guys both did a really good job of of acknowledging the other guy's picks and and recognizing that, hey, these, these are important to this person because... Um, but I do want to mention to you that early in the show, I would send you texts after I'd listened to the episodes. <laughs> you would. And I really busted your balls a lot. And I'm like, Chris... I know you work as a professor. Stop giving the textbook answers. That was me. I was the one who was calling you out on that right from the beginning. <laughs> you were. Stop giving the textbook answers. That's not interesting radio. Go, sure, pick a few of the top ones, but always throw in one or two of your own picks. And you kept saying that in your, a few episodes later. You're like, I've been accused of giving the textbook answer. I'm like, yeah, I accused you. That was that me. Was I called you out on it right away. True. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I have another one here from Morgan Clark. Morgan says, Chris... Seriously, you need to go back and give Interstellar another chance. It's one of my favorite movies, and I don't understand how you didn't like this movie. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm bringing you in here now, Derek. You just mentioned you like to defend a lot of the Yancey's picks for his movies. Maybe you can go ahead and defend this one. I couldn't go back and watch Interstellar again. If You couldn't get me to watch it again with a wheelbarrow, a roll of duct tape, and an ether rag. Like, I, I could not watch that movie again. I barely made it through the first time, and I... I don't know. I'm missing something. I know because lots of people like this movie. It's critically acclaimed. Everyone I talked to was like, how could you not like Interstellar? It's one of my favorite films of all time. I didn't get it. I thought it was weird. I thought it was hokey in places. I thought it was boring. I thought it was, it's just, I don't know. The whole thing, I just didn't like it at all. So I just, just like you mentioned before, you're not going to change my mind. Like I just, I'm set in my ways and that's just the way it is. I'm the old man who yells, get off my lawn. I get it, but I just... I can, I'll go back and watch it again. I'll tell you what, Morgan, I'll do you a favor. I'll go back and watch the movie again, but I just can't see it happening for me. I just can't. Derek, defend this movie, please. Well, Chris, I'll just uh, say that you're flat out wrong. Yep. The no, movie The movie was great. And I think that there must be like a switch, a part of your brain that just, when it comes to movies after a certain date, Maybe. your brain just doesn't work. And this is one of those ones where I, I agree with everything. I agree with the opposite of everything you just said. I thought the movie was great. I think the performances are great. I think the story's great. I think the message is great. Um, I like the way the story is told with the fact that it's got characters that are sort of out of time. And as their time is changing, the other characters, their their story can, can progress at a different time rate. And of course, you've got, uh, it's directed by Christopher Nolan, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Christopher Nolan directing. He's got all his, his uh, you know, his favorite players involved. He's got, um, uh, obviously, Matthew McConaughey in the lead. And... Um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. The old man. Um, 
He played Alfred in the Batman movies, the new Batman movies. Michael, oh, Mike, Michael, Michael Caine. Caine. Wow, yeah. can't believe I missed that. Um, you've got, you know, you've got these strong performances from these strong actors, and I mean, I guess maybe it's just you got to appreciate and enjoy a certain type of sci-fi. Like I know you like Star Wars, which is definitely science fiction, but that to me is a science fiction action adventure movie. Yeah, this is a science fantasy. fiction yeah. drama. Yep. And I think maybe that's where there's a disconnect. Because same with Moon. I believe you didn't really care for Moon. No, I didn't like that it one, at again, all. Yeah. Science fiction, but more a science fiction drama. Uh, almost you could say that one's more even of a suspense kind of movie. Not an outer space action movie. So maybe that's and maybe, just... And The Martian too, like you mentioned before. I yeah. thought it was kind of boring. Maybe the same thing. That sort of science fiction drama thing just doesn't... Although it did have Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. It's yeah. just so fun to be in studio with you <laughs> and to be able to say now, Matt hey, Damon. In all fairness, we, you, we'll go back to your guilty pleasures. Right. Matt Damon. Yep. That's my guilty pleasure. I love Matt Damon. He is... I got my man crush on Matt Damon. I think he's great. I saw him in Goodwill Hunting and like, this guy's amazing. This guy's going to be one of the best actors of our generation. He's not going anywhere. And every time Matt Damon puts out a movie, I see it. Even if it's terrible. And believe me, he's got a few rotters on his list. Yeah. But he's got some amazing movies. I'm all in for Matt Damon all the time. And my wife knows that too. And uh, she does what you do every now and then. She's like, oh, well, you know, what'd you watch last night? I was like, oh, well, you know, I put on Goodwill Hunting for half an hour. And she's like, oh, did you watch your boyfriend? Matt Damon. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, I got one here. Hi, guys. I love the show. I think Derek has been a great addition. So that's awesome. Oh, is that my mom? <laughs> yeah, this is from Derek's mom. Uh, Chris, you mentioned playing Escape from the Death Star with Derek, but any chance you guys will play you will play D&D with him sometime. Keep up the great work, guys. It's from Jay Griffin. So not just tonight, obviously, and this guy just didn't just like text me, you know, immediately. We've talked about playing Escape from the Death Star probably a dozen times. Since I bought here. the game in the I summer, know. it's been, uh, yeah, eight months. And so obviously tonight we got to see that come to fruition by actually like playing it and getting uh, creamed by a six-year-old uh, kid beating us in that game, but it's all good. Uh, any chance we're going to play D&D? I remember back in August, September of 2016 at Fan Expo. In Fan Expo 2016, uh, I took my older son, my nine year, my now nine-year-old son, to Fan Expo, and we ran into you there. I made sure yep. to come over and see you. You were in the gaming section with D&D, and I remember interviewing you for the podcast here. Yep. And we talked about D&D, and I said, hey, listen, any chance I can join one of these games and sit in? And you were like, dude, you don't want to do that. Yeah. These guys are advanced. They know what they're doing. And I think that even if I were to maybe want to play D&D, I think that you would be the wrong person to play with. Not that I don't like hanging out with you. I do. It's great. But I think like you're such an advanced player. I mean, you're Amaron underscore DM. The DM is Dungeon Master, right? I mean, like... Well, or Derek Myers, depending yeah, on who you I mean, it's just, I don't know. You're an advanced D&D player. I think I would get crushed. I just think it would you would just like be toying with me if we played. It just wouldn't even be funny, you know? So I think perhaps you need to play D&D just to per, to get a better understanding of what the game entails and how it works and I think that you would be right at home playing with me because my years oh. of experience playing and running the game I have played with very experienced players like I did a fan expo they were doing a, a tournament mm -hmm. and I've played with young children who are picking it up for the very first time uh, there was a, a whole uh, basically they run uh, long-term games that run for every every day, um, once a week, every week for many weeks over the course of a year. And we did that at a local game store for a couple of years. And I always used to run the, the table for kids that were like 9, 10, 11-year-olds. And most That's of them cool. have never played. And so you really have to make sure that you are presenting the game in a way that's simple enough 
for a nine-year-old to understand it, but exciting enough for a nine-year-old to want to keep playing for two hours at a time when you sit down to play, and then again every week to come back. So I think that if you are interested, if you're genuinely interested, I can round up a couple of folks and we can try it out. I think your theater background would do you well because at its heart, Dungeons & Dragons is a shared storytelling experience. And I think that your imagination and your flair for the dramatic, your ease of jumping into a crazy voice or coming up with a crazy idea would suit you well in that kind of a gaming environment. So yeah, who knows? we'll maybe, put it on the schedule. Yeah, maybe, maybe if I can come down sometime and play. Just The problem is, again, I think a lot of the, the people that you hang out with in that world are so advanced and they just, you guys would just get frustrated with me. And then just, I, I'd be like the dwarf that you, that you just kill off in the first <laughs> round of the, the module, I'm sure. Uh, okay, uh, so I got one here. Uh, hey, Chris, just listen to the podcast about the movie 16 Candles. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, your discussion opened my eyes to a whole new way of viewing this favorite of mine. Never realized all the clearly sexist and racist themes in this movie. Because I'm a child of the 80s, I'll always have fond memories of it. But we'll now be careful praising and recommending it to younger generations. On a side note, just watched another another favorite of mine from the 80s, Porky's. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't seen it in years. And this one blew my mind with all the unacceptable behavior in it. Recheck it out. You'll be shocked. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. And that's from Chuck. Um, So where do I start? Um, Yeah, I definitely, I agree with this. Um, when I went back and watched 16 Candles, I have a lot of very fond memories of that movie. And in fact, we did an episode on rewatchable movies and it made my list because I could watch it over and over and over and over again. And I have watched it not that long ago. Um, I think it was, I watched it right before we did our 16 Candle show. And yeah, I mean, I used to argue with Yancey a lot. He'd say, you know, times have changed and, you know, things are different now. And I'd be like, ah, whatever. And Going back and watching 16 Candles, I do realize that, you know, the world has changed and the movie is not PC. It's not, it never was PC even in the 80s. That was the argument I used to make, but I get it. It You know, times have changed. It's not really, uh, it's not an acceptable kind of film. A lot of things that happen in it. I'm cool with that. Porky's definitely isn't either, but I still think that there is, edu- or not educational, no, there is entertainment value in the movie and going back and watching it and understanding the times in which it was set. So I will continue to defend the movies uh, from the 70s and 80s, even if they are on PC, because of the times in which they are set, you can still go back and understand the times that they were in and still get, you know, some entertainment value out of them. Am I making any sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I think I got to agree with you 100% on that. I think that a lot, we, as we've talked about on many episodes, I, I often will reference uh, Revenge of the Nerds when we have this conversation. These are movies that you and I watched as youngsters that we thought were great, that we probably still to this day think are great. And when you watch them, but you look at them with the the perspective of today's, what society deems acceptable and funny today, a lot of it does not hold up. A lot of it is not cool. And it shouldn't have been then, as we've said before, mm-hmm. but it, it's, a, it's of its time, which is not necessarily a defense of the inappropriate behavior, the inappropriate language, the inappropriate humor, but it was of its time. And I think if you do go back to watch these movies, that has to be understood and you're sort of accepting the whole package. If you're going to go back and watch it, this is something you keep in mind when you watch it. Yeah. And I, and I will admit that, you know, when I think back to the time, like, like it didn't always jump out at me that a lot of these movies were not cool. 
You know what I mean? Like some of the, the, the themes that were going on in them. I think at the time, like it, it maybe just didn't really sink in as much as because they, these kind of themes in movies were everywhere. I don't know. So maybe I'm not saying now I'm woke. <laughs> there's my there's, there's my millennial term. It's not that. It's just like I do understand that, you know, th- times are different. And and but that being said, Porky's, man, we definitely got to watch Porky's and do it for one of these upcoming podcasts because it's definitely worth going back and taking a look at regardless of how on PC it is or whatever. That movie is funny. And that movie, I like that movie. I haven't seen I, it. I remember it as being funny, yeah. but it's been a while since I've seen it. Me but, too. It's got to be 30 years since I've seen the movie. At, uh, least. at least 10 or 20 for me, for sure. But also, it's Canadian content. Oh, yeah. So, hey, we always always love to put a little Canadian content yep. on the show. Gotta love Canadian films. Uh, okay, now, I think you actually uh, have one that you want to share with us. So, uh, what do you got there, Derek? Yeah. Hit me up with one. All right. You? So, I reached out. So, one of my good friends, uh, his name is Jamie. He and I worked at Blockbuster Video together. We actually went to high school together. We worked at Blockbuster Video together for a number of years. He's a big pop culture aficionado. Much Very like good. you and I. We should and, get him on the show sometime. Oh, well, hey, I'm sure he'd be uh, he'd be happy to do it. And he's got a great radio voice. So, he, oh, would, good. he would make us sound terrible well, by comparison. Would. We sound awful. But, he, uh, he is not your biggest fan oh no so this i asked him i said well you know jamie you're you're an avid listener of the show you give me feedback almost every week and uh, what kind of questions do you have for us we're doing some mailbag questions on 100th episode so he says uh this is my question for chris he's like how every time i hear i hear chris talk on the podcast he's talking about the fawns or he's talking about jaws or he's talking about smoking the bandit as we already have tonight yeah and so what's wrong with that his question is what is it about that era of pop culture that so fascinates Chris? And what does he feel is missing from quote unquote modern pop culture, in your opinion? Is it the acting style? Is it the cinematography? Is it the dialogue? What's different? What's missing from today's pop culture that is giving you so much grief around wrapping your head around this? Uh, I guess. Great question, uh, Jamie. I know you don't like me very much, but let me just defend myself here. And I'm going to say it's this. It probably really comes down to one word, and I'll just be honest, nostalgia. That's what I think it is. And and the thing is, if I look back, why do I like movies and TV shows from that time so much? When I was a kid, you know, and I'll admit this, I'm, I'm fully willing to just put everything out there and just admit this and be honest on air, is that when a lot of other kids were like, you know, 10 years old and they were going, or even younger than that, anywhere from between 7 and 10, a lot of other kids were going out and playing outside and playing sports and really having fun with their friends. You know what I was doing? I was watching TV and movies. That was my thing. I just loved it. Nerd. I know, I am. And I, I still am. I was then and I still am. And But I loved like TV shows and movies and that, I just gravitated to this stuff. So even as a young kid, I loved it. And so because that was my first exposure to that stuff, it stuck. And Yancey and I talked about this on an early episode of the show. I want to get your take on this too. We decided to go back and take a look at our favorite year. And what year of pop culture was our absolute favorite year of all time? And both of us came up with the year when we were 11 years old. For me, it was 1981. For Yancey, it was 1999. And that was the year for me, the best TV shows, the best movies. I think it was just something about being that 11 years old that... You're kind of like not quite a little kid anymore. You're not a teenager yet. You're kind of in between. You're trying to break out. You're trying to be independent. You're able to watch it, maybe sneak and watch a couple of movies that are a little bit naughty and you shouldn't watch. You're like, what's going on in these movies? And there's something about that period of time that really 
just sticks out for me. Another thing I mentioned to you earlier tonight, uh, Cave, when we were just hanging out, um, when I was a kid, I had a paper route. And with this paper route, I, I made money. And with the money that I made, I would spend it every weekend, every Friday and Saturday, my friends and I would go and watch, go to the movie theater and watch movies. So I basically saw every single movie from 1980 to 1982. You mentioned a movie in that time, I've seen it. I saw it in the theater. And so a lot of, a lot of pop culture from that era, just, it just sticks in my mind. It just, and the thing is, as you get older, and, and you know, I've spoken to this before, but the millennials that, that listen to this show, um, and when I had Yancey on the show representing the millennial generation, you're going to get there too. And when you get there, you're going to realize the power of nostalgia and how important it is and how you kind of almost long for a simpler time, a more innocent time. And for me, when I think back to a simpler, more innocent time, I think of shows like WKRP in Cincinnati and Happy Days. And when there wasn't so much, you know, uh, we weren't inundated with pop culture like we are now. And there wasn't 700 channels on TV. There was three. And things were simpler and easier and easier to digest. And things weren't as complicated. And for all those reasons, that's why I love that stuff. I try to inject it into my young sons. Um, They both love you know, movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark and things like that, because I try to inundate them with that stuff because I think it's important. I think it was a simpler time, a, a better time. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm just going to say. So for me, it's all about nostalgia. So Jamie, that's why I keep going back to that stuff because for me, it's very, very important. That's a long, long winded way of, exp- of answering that uh, question. Could you sum that up in five <laughs> words or less, please? But I, I think it kind of hits So it. I want to I just comment on something you mentioned about the idea of nostalgia. Yeah. My favorite year and 11 yeah. years old. So I've heard this conversation a few times on different shows, different podcasts. I listen to a lot of various pop culture podcasts. And I, there was one. Is this I, a recurring theme that like 11 year old thing? Or uh, well, the recurring theme is more that at a certain point in your life, that is your best year right. because that is when you have the the best memories of pop culture. Okay. And the, the I've heard 11 years old, which you guys have talked about, but the other one I've heard is 13 years old. Okay. And it's funny because as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, before you got to that and you said your favorite year, I'm thinking 1985. And you're like, when you're 11 years old. I'm like, I was 11 years old in 1985. But I remember when I was listening to a different podcast where they were talking about this, I thought, I think I might have to go with 1987, which I would have been 13. Okay. And that's what they said on that show was... 13 for exactly the same kind of reasons you were saying, you know, you're, you're starting to mature more. You're starting to be a little more independent. You're trying to, you know, create your own identity. Yep. Um, and for me, I mean, I think both 85 and 87 for me, there were so many good movies, so much good music. Um, and it was. yeah, it's, but, but this is where I'm a better man than you when it comes to <laughs> pop culture. Okay. And, and, and this share. show is I'm not stuck in those years. Yes, there is certainly nostalgia, and I long for those years in certain circumstances, and I hear Power Love by Huey Lewis in the news, and it, I'm in 1985 for those going. Mm-hmm. I am right back there. And I get it. I get the, the positivity that can come out of it. But I can watch a movie that came out three years ago, or I can hear a song from 20, 2011, and I can get a similar feeling. Maybe not quite to that extent because it's still a fresh memory, but I didn't get to that point, love that point, and never leave that point. And I think that's what we need to do on future episodes is I got to drag you out of that comfort zone and try and help you create new nostalgic memories, which, you know, we'll see what kind of success we have. 
I think in addition to nostalgia, I'm going to build on this a little bit. I think another thing is simplicity. And I, I, t- I did touch base on it in my explanation. Um, simplicity is important too. So if you look at something like Happy Days, it's a two-camera sitcom. If you watch Three's Company, it's a two-camera sitcom. It's very simple. It's very simply done. There's characters who come in and out. There's one set. It's almost like watching theater. And if you watch TV now, like Game of Thrones, which is a show that I actually enjoy, but Game of Thrones is like watching like the most advanced movie you've ever seen in the world. Like it's just, the production values are off the charts. There's so much going on. It's so busy and just, it's just so overwhelming. Then you go back and watch WKRP with two cameras, one set, and actors. And there's something about that simplicity that I, I guess I kind of crave a little bit. Even in the movies, if you watch any movie, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy earlier, so I'm just going to pull that one out. There's so much going on in the frame, in every frame of the film, that it's almost overwhelming. And, and I go back and watch something like James Bond for Your Eyes Only from 1981, uh, which the only reason I mention is because I put it on a little while ago. My wife was like, this movie's boring. Like, it's really slow and nothing's really happening. Maybe it's just the simplicity so it's for me, it's both a nostalgia and just the simplicity of the whole thing that I just, I like that. I mean, I don't want to be overwhelmed with entertainment. I just want to be entertained. Okay, fair enough. Makes sense. Okay, uh, I have a, here's another, our last question we have. I have a couple of questions related to the Mandela effect. Do you remember the famous Star Wars line as Luke, I am your father or no, I am your father? Also, do you recall seeing a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad as a genie? Not the movie Kazam starring Shaq. And that's from Melissa Maybusher. So I just expand on this for a second. So the Mandela effect, for anyone that doesn't know, and you're familiar with the Mandela effect? No. So the Mandela effect is basically the idea that when, when Nelson Mandela was jailed for all the years that he was in prison in South Africa, there are people who swear and believe that he died in prison. They're like, we know. he. Di- I know he died in prison. I saw the stuff in the news. And then all of a sudden, one day in like 1989, he's released from prison. And people are like, no, I swear to God, I remember in the news that he was he died. He didn't. So they came up with this idea of the Mandela effect. And it applies to pop culture in the sense that there's certain things in pop culture that we swear we know, we remember a certain way. But actually, in actual fact, they're not that way. And so Melissa Maybusher touches on a couple of these. Like, for example, um, Luke, I am your father. Everyone always knows that line from The Empire Strikes Back is, Luke, I am your father. But it's not. The line he says is, no, I am your father, right? So I wanted to mention a a couple of other ones that came to mind. Not that many episodes ago, Caveman, you were mentioning Casablanca. I was just about to say, yeah, we talked about this when we were referencing Casablanca. And and, and in it, what was the line that you said that everybody remembers? Everyone thinks the line is, play it again, Sam, which it's not. It's not. It's it, if I remember correctly, it's you played it for her, play it for me, play it, Sam. Yeah, like it, like play it again, Sam does not even show up in the movie, right? But people swear. Another one is Jaws, and everyone always thinks that the line is "We're gonna need a bigger boat," but he doesn't say. Does that. he say you're going to need a bigger boat? Yes, he says you're gonna need a bigger boat, which doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Now, it, it was an improvised line. Yeah. But the line doesn't really make any sense because they're out in the open ocean. Yeah. They're far away. It's not you're gonna need a bigger boat. It's, we're going to need a bigger boat. I'm out here with you too, you know, but, but people forget that. Um, another one, a couple more that I, that, that come to mind in E.T. E.T. never actually says phone home, but everybody always attributes it, even with the voice phone home, but he doesn't say, at one point he actually says home, phone, but he doesn't say phone home. Elliot says it, but he never says it. And these are like people swear, no, I know, I remember E.T. saying that, but he didn't. 
um, in Snow White, going way back. Okay. I mean, Snow, Snow White, everyone Snow White always and the thinks, Seven Dwarves. We did yes. a trivia where you wouldn't give it to me for Snow White. You're like, <laughs> right. I need the full title. <laughs> so in, in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, very good. Um, everyone always thinks that, that she says, mirror, mirror on the wall. But the Wicked Witch does not say that. She actually says, magic mirror on the wall. And so, and, and the another one too is um, the dwarves actually, everyone always thinks that they say, uh, hi ho, hi ho, it's off to work we go. But they don't actually say that. They say, hi ho, hi ho, it's home to work we go. And, and people swear, no, that's not true. It's not true. Um, another one is, again, we mentioned we both like Star Wars. Star Wars, everyone swears to God, C-3PO is completely, totally gold. He's not. His right leg is silver. But yep. nobody, what? You tell people that and they're like, no, that's the Mandela effect. People believe that he's entirely gold, but he's not. You, you know, know? I, because I think the action figure was totally gold. Yes, it was. So that's it probably was. why a lot of people think Because a lot that. of people probably think yep. that. Um, even uh, we had done, you and I did an episode on Queen. Yes. And we did, and we were talking about some of our favorite Queen songs. And um, and, and remind me to come back to Queen because I have okay. something I want to mention about Queen. Um, we mentioned We Are the Champions. Everybody and their brother remembers the final um, lyric in We Are the Champions as We Are the Champions of the World. But it's not. The last lyric is just We Are the Champions. End. And people will swear by it. Say, no, they say of the world. They don't say that as the last line of the song. You know, and the very last one that I want to bring up, because you know how much I love cereal. And I've mentioned before, I love uh, crunch berries and you can't get them here in Canada. But another one is Fruit Loops. You like Fruit Loops? I love Fruit Loops. I love breakfast cereal. But fruit, the word fruit in Fruit Loops is spelled F-R-O-O-T. And people are like, what? It is. It is. Go to the grocery store and check out a box of Fruit Loops. It's F-R-O-O-T. You know, It'll blow you know your why? mind. You know why it's like that? Because Be- because of the, the circle, the, the shape of the cereal. No. Well, I mean, that's part of it. But there was a lawsuit. Okay. They, they spelt it as fruit, spelled correctly. And somebody assumed that because it was made from fruit, it was healthy. And then there was health issues <laughs> and they sued them. And they were like, okay, okay we'll change we it. We fix this. We're not having this. We're not making this mistake twice. You're too stupid to realize that Fruit Loops isn't really fruit. We're just going to change the way we spell it. Oh my goodness. So yeah. that's funny. So those are all examples of that Mandela effect that we see. So anyway, good, good question. Yeah, it was a yeah. great question, Melissa. And that came up on our Facebook page. I really like that question. Um, I wanted to go back to the queen for a second, because if I want to like, kind of look back on a hundred episodes as you know, before we move on. And I really want to think like, did I learn anything? You know, like, cause you say, you know, like I'm still stuck in my ways. I totally am still stuck in my ways. Nothing's going to change. I'm not going to go back and like interstellar suddenly after a hundred episodes. I am what I am. But one thing that I try to come to grips with and realize is that I do have to expand my horizons a little, okay? And the example I'm going to give is Queen, okay? So when we did our episode on Queen, um, we, we, we did a top five list of our favorite Queen songs. And the thing is, yes, sometimes I do stick with the, the sort of textbook answers, and I stick with what I know. Because, again, going back to what I said, it's nostalgia and simplicity, right? Two things that I go back to. And so when I gave my top Queen songs, I mentioned all the ones that, that I liked, that I knew. You know, like, We Are the Champions, you know, and, and Bohemian Rhapsody and things like that. And one of the lit ones in your list was you mentioned Don't Stop Me Now. And I thought, well, love that song. Why would you put that in there? Like, what the hell? I don't even know that song. Love it. I'm like, I don't even, because, because I stuck to the few songs of Queen that I know and love and Flash Gordon and those songs that I just know and love and listen to over and over again. And I listen to nothing else. And so I went back and, I, and you forced me to go back and listen to this. 
by, by mentioning that. And I was like, well, I got to listen to this song. And I listened to the song. And you know what? We had both agreed that Bohemian Rhapsody was the best song Queen ever did. I've now actually changed my mind. Don't Stop Me Now is hands down the best Queen song of all time. Wow. No questions asked. It opened my eyes to it. I listened to it. I'm like, how did, how did I miss this all these years? What the hell was I thinking? How did I miss this? My sons love it. We play it in the truck. The other day, my six-year-old comes walking into me and he's like, I'm, I'm going to make a supersonic man out of you. And I'm like, oh, this is really a good thing. <laughs> I don't know how good that is, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, so sometimes I got to expand my horizons a little. So thank you, Derek and Yancey previously for opening my eyes a little bit. I'm still not going to like Interstellar, but I am going to open my eyes a little bit. So, I mean, I really thank you guys. Anyway, uh, on that note, what do you say we have some fun with caveman? All right. I'll tell you what we're going to do now. I'm going to do a little bit of trivia with you, Derek. Okay. But I also want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Okay. And we mentioned you first joined us on episode 26. We did uh, remakes, reboots, and reimaginings, right? Yes. Yes, we did. And then really you took over sort of officially on episode 89 uh, from Yancey. I mean, you'd really been covering for Yancey. I did for, a few guest spots. Yeah, for about a month Yancey or so. seat warm. Yeah. So let's see uh, how much you know about some of the pop culture that we've covered over the, the first That you and I have covered or that's been covered on the show? Just on the show okay. in general. Okay. So on episode four, I have a trivia question for you, okay? It was called Oh the Horror, episode four. Okay. And what we did was Yancey and I mentioned our top five favorite horror films of all time. Knowing me as you do, can you name any one of the movies that would have made my list of my favorite horror movies of all time? Absolutely. Uh, well, you made me watch Night of the Living Dead, so I got to assume that's on your list. Congratulations. That's one of that. Was that your number one? It made number three, actually. Number three. Okay, yeah. let me see if I can guess the others here. So this was your your favorite horror movies. Yeah, my favorite horror movies, top five horror movies of all time. Number three was Night of the Halloween. Living Dead. Halloween. Halloween was number four on the list. Oh, going the wrong direction. Okay, hold on. Let me think. I'm not a big fan of the horror movie genre. I know you don't. Uh, uh, American Werewolf in London? No, it was not. No? Didn't no. make the list? No, I went with the Chainsaw, Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. 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 The remake with Matthew no, McConaughey? No, the one from 74, of course. <laughs> and The Exorcist. Okay, okay. And my I'll number one was Psycho. I just Oh, yeah. Good pick. Good pick. Okay, so in... Wait, the Vince Vaughn version of no, Psycho? No, no, no. no, no. Okay, just checking. Yeah. Okay, uh, episode 29, we did uh, what we called Best Picture Oscar Snubs. Okay? Sure. And this was... And because you and I have talked about Oscars a lot on the podcast. Yeah. But you weren't on that show. So I'd like to, to, to pick your brain a little bit. Sure. Because I in that one, we mentioned our top five movies that should have won Best Picture but didn't. I'm just right. wondering okay. off the top of your head... Do you have like one that sticks out to you that you think should have won Best Picture Oscar but never ever did? I'll run down my top five list for you just to set things up, okay? So in 1982, the winner was Gandhi, but I said Tootsie should have won. Well, now that that I've seen Tootsie, I can certainly uh, um, understand that argument, but Gandhi... Again, it was this big sweeping yeah, saga. It's an epic. It's an epic. It was it was Oscar bait, and mm-hmm. it did exactly what it was supposed to do. And I think that that's an argument that you can argue both sides of that. Yeah. One. I don't think that was a mistake uh, per se. Like we said in our other one, like this was the right. wrong pick. I wouldn't say Gandhi was the wrong pick, but I can certainly see how overlooking Tootsie uh, could be considered a travesty. Okay, so we're gonna work our way yeah. up. So number yeah. four in 1984, Amadeus won Best Picture. I felt the Killing Fields. Should have won. I felt it was a much better film. In 1981, my number three, 1981, mm-hmm. one of my favorite years, obviously, yep. uh, Chariots of Fire won. And my pick... Yeah, it was kind of boring. My pick, anything 
Any of the other any four of the other ones, yes. Do you any have the one. list there? What were the other four? Atlantic City, Reds, On Golden Pond, and of course, one of my favorites, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So Raiders, the only movie on that list, uh, well, aside from Chariots of Fire and Raiders, I haven't seen the other movies. Oh man, they're all so good. Uh, my number two in 1980, Ordinary People won Best Picture. I think Raging Bull should have won Best Picture mm. over that. It was way better. I think Raging Bull is a little overrated. I oh, mean, I, I, I liked it. It was okay, and De Niro was great, but nah, it's one of those movies that I just... I didn't feel was as great as everyone's like, oh my God, this is the greatest movie. And no, it was or, good. But it ordinary, wasn't ordinary People was boring. Yeah, Ordinary People was boring. And then that. my number one was from 1977 when yeah, Annie Star Wars Hall won, won totally. Star Wars. Yeah, no, won. no doubt. So any ones that you wanted to add to that? I'm just, just being a big film and so, Oscar buff. Yeah, the, I, I want to say, I, I don't have the list in front of me, but I want to say, I think it was 1995. Pulp Fiction was overlooked. Shawshank Redemption was overlooked. 94. I want to say Forrest Gump won. Yeah, Forrest Gump won in 94 and Pulp Fiction. Don't was get me up. wrong. I yep. love Forrest yep. Gump. Forrest yep. Gump, I, you know, it's one of those ones, it's on TV and I flick it on, no matter what part it's on. I'm like, oh, well, this, this part I like is coming up. I'm going to watch it and end up watching the whole movie. And I've seen it. 20 or 30 times, probably more than 30, let's be let's be real. Um, but Pulp Fiction, one of my absolute all-time, you only get five movies, you're stuck on a desert island, and apparently the desert island has Netflix, but you can only watch five movies forever and ever. Pulp Fiction makes that list every single time. Shawshank Redemption makes that list every single time. It is good, too. Forrest Gump does not make the top five list. So no. I, I, would, I would have, especially looking back now, been much happier if either of those two movies beat Forrest Gump. But again, I, I'm not... I'm not upset that Forrest Gump won. I just think that the test of time, either of those other two picks should have beat it. Okay, I got another one for you. Back on episode 17, uh, Yancey and I ran down our favorite sports movies of all time. I'm wondering now if I could just ask you, if you had to just putting you on the spot, yep. what's one or a couple of your favorite sports movies of all time? You want me to set the stage for you, the ones I picked? No, I, re- well, you could, yeah, sure, tell me yours. Uh, surprisingly enough, my number five was Heaven Can Wait. Never seen it. It was a football movie from 78. Uh, Caddyshack was number four. Obviously golf, 1980. Slapshot, number three. Good pick. Raging Bull. I know you didn't like it. Number Pass. two. And number one, Field of Dreams. I'm a big baseball guy. Okay. So those were that. my sport movies. Any yep. ones that kind of jumped out to you? Major League. Love Major oh, League. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and Moneyball. Yeah, Moneyball. Have you seen Moneyball? I have. I, have, I have actually have seen it. Have you read I, the book? Uh, no, but I saw the movie on a flight. Uh, back from San Francisco one time when I was coming back on business and I watched it. I actually liked it. It was pretty it good. quite good. I'm it's a baseball a, guy though. It's got so. a big cast. It's got a yeah. lot of people in small roles and it holds up. If you, I mean, if you go back and watch it it's on Netflix, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I need something to watch for a half an hour. And if I've seen Goodwill Hunting too many times in that month, I'll say, <laughs> hey, there's Moneyball. Right. And uh, I just, I love the interaction, the, the back and forth between Brad Pitt's character and, um, uh, oh my God. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Jonah Hill? He's like, Pete, Jonah Hill, yeah. yeah. He's like, and who are we picking? Pete. And he's like, oh, is this when I talk? Yeah, Pete, when I point to you, it's your turn to talk. And then he gives him the answer. And then when he asks the guys, he's like, guys, what do you want for this? And he's like, don't make me point to Pete again. Because <laughs> yeah. he gets on base. Yeah. Okay, episode 12, we talked about game shows. And you and I, I were talking earlier off the air about how much we both love game shows. Love game shows. I obviously love game shows from the 70s and 80s because of so the nostalgia I. and simplicity and all that yep. stuff. Um. What are some of your favorite game shows of all time? Press Your Luck. Big no. bucks, big bucks, no whammy. No whammy. Stop. Yep, that's a good I love one. Press Your Luck. Yep. $100,000 Pyramid, which we do at one of my the fun, for, fun with Yancey from oh. the Caveman section. We do that Obviously, quite love often. that one. Yep. I like, uh, I liked Sale of the Century. Oh, that yeah, I remember that Again, one. Again, it's just, I like these ones where they ask I wanna, them. I want to see it was Canadian. It definitely was. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, like, I like the ones where they ask them 
trivia questions. Like for press your luck, I watch them. We get them a couple of times a day on one of the channels here. Mm-hmm. They ask the way their game's set up. They ask them four questions. If they get it right, they get spins, and then they go to the part of the game where they have the big board and they press their things, stop, no whammies, and get their money. I love watching that show now. To hear, they asked four trivia questions in the first part, four trivia questions in the second part. So you get eight trivia questions. And that is now my favorite part of that show because the questions are so dated. And some of them are just so, even you look back now and you're like, wow, I can't believe they were asking (laughs) that. Or I can't, like, I watched one the other day where they were something about four, uh, you know, out of five married women asked how many blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself none and it's like four out of five and i'm like wow what a different time it was so oh that's awesome yeah um, i was always a big fan of tattletales too and i, I know oh, I, I don't know that one you don't know that one it was like a green set it had like this green shag rug and it was burt Conby, oh, and yes. they brought in three celebrity couples yes oh i love okay it. william shatner always seemed to yeah, be yeah he that. was on that one a lot oh you know what else was good canadian one it's the mad Oh, the bad Dash. Dash. That was a good one too. Yeah, and you had to go yeah. around when the prize. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I also remember Alex Trebek doing a Canadian one called Pitfall. Pitfall. Oh, it was a good yep. one too. Um, okay, I want to just test you now, and let's just see if we can still be friends. Okay. Um, again, before it was before you came on the show. Yep. I just want to know what you think of a couple of movies. Okay. Um, the first one. Wait, I'm are gonna... these your picks or Yancey's picks? Well, we're gonna mix them up. Okay. So the first one was we already hit on. This one was Interstellar. And you really, really like that movie. I loved it. Yeah. I give it an A. A minus A. Okay. What about Taxi Driver? I don't think you liked that movie. I only saw it once. Didn't really care for it. But in all fairness, I watched it when I worked at Blockbuster in the 90s. I was watching so many movies back then. A lot of them were just blurred together. If I wasn't in the right mood at the right time, the movie was on, but I wasn't really paying attention. I think that's one of those ones that maybe I need to go back and give it another try. I really think you do because you mentioned that you liked... uh, Pulp Fiction is one of your favorite Love movies, Pulp right? And so if you like Pulp Fiction, that, that tells me that you like Tarantino. I think you like Tarantino's films, right? Also, having worked in a video store like he did, right? Um, Taxi Driver, as far as I'm concerned, has to be one of the, and I don't know for a fact, but it has to be one of the greatest influences on Quentin Tarantino of any film. There's just something about that movie. It is just unbelievably, it's the exact same style as his movies. Um, and the last one I want to ask you about, have you ever seen The Killing Fields? Uh, yeah, a few times. Yeah. And you like that one too, Loved right? Loved it. Solid A. Yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned this before. So when you and I first met and we were talking about movies, I said, okay, Chris, this is this is one of these ways that I can get to know someone really quickly. Give me your list of top 10 all time, your favorite movies that if someone is not a movie guy and you're like, you need to watch these movies, what's on your list? And I remember you gave me the list and I think I'd seen seven or eight out of the 10 Killing Fields was the 10th one on the list. I'd never heard of it. And I made a point of going out to watch it not long after. And I loved it. I thought it was great. I was glad you recommended it. I, I, I mean, it's a pretty heavy movie. So it's yeah. not one of the, it's not like, hey, Forrest Gump, I can watch Forrest Gump over and over again. It's got a lot of, you right. know, it's a light movie. It's a family, family kind of film. I mean, obviously there's drug use and all the rest of that. But um, Killing Fields, not one you're going to be like, hey, I got a couple hours to kill on this Sunday afternoon. What am I going to do? Well, let's just throw on the Killing Fields. No. no. So I've seen it a couple of times. I think it was great. I would certainly recommend it. It's certainly not going to uh, be for everybody just because the topic is is very heavy, but mm-hmm. it, it's worth it's worth the uh, the payoff. All right. Good stuff. So you liked it. Um, and then my last question that I have for you uh, before we wrap up, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Of course it is. And why is that? Explain why. It takes place at Christmas. Okay. And 
Jingle, so they got the Jingle Bell Rock at the end. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a Christmas movie. The whole he goes there for a Christmas party. It's Christmas. There's even lines in the dialogue are directly related to Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Everyone I know watches it at Christmas. It is a Christmas movie. So I will say this past Christmas, you know, not that many months ago, uh, I found myself, my wife was doing something, just baking or something like that and making something. And I found myself in the living room watching Die Hard. So, I mean, definitely I agree with you. Yeah. It's now, I heard they asked yep. Bruce Willis this just this past year. What did he say? He said no. Hey. Sometimes. And did he give a reason why? I'm sure he did, but no, I, well, I don't know. All I remember is, I, I think it may have been through Twitter or something, but they're like, Bruce Willis confirms that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And I'm like, what the hell does he know? He might have been in the movie, but he didn't write the movie. It's a Christmas movie. The fans, po- the society and pop culture will will give the definitive answer, and we have decided and they, they, they that it decided. is a Christmas movie. So there you go. Yes. All right. Uh, now is the time before we wrap things up. I've got to nominate a film for next episode, okay? okay. That I want you to watch if you I'm, you may have already seen it, I'm you, you very well might have, and that's fine. But maybe you, I want you to go back and rewatch it again because next episode we're going to come back, uh, not in studio again though. We might have to do this remotely unless you want to come up every single week and do this. It'd be great. Um, and just make sure and bring Escape to, from the Death Star every time you, come. <laughs> <laughs> you can win over my son. Well, next week is Good Friday, so uh, we'll probably take the week off. We'll probably take the we week might off. Might be off. Good so point. yeah. yeah. So, so, so next yeah. episode. Okay. The know, next, next episode. Yeah. Next episode. Episode one hundred and one. One hundred and one. Second. Yeah. Second century. We're gonna start off the second century in a big way, I think. I Star mean, Wars, and and it's we're gonna start off with a big bomb uh, because I want you to. Uh, you mentioned you want earlier to watch Ishtar. I want you to watch Ishtar from oh 1987. God. You mentioned earlier that 1987 was a huge year for you. You know, you were like what 13 in that. I was year? 13, yeah. So and you liked that year a lot. I want you to go back and I want you to watch Ishtar. Okay, we're gonna come out. We're gonna de- devote an entire episode to Ishtar and it's going to be fantastic because I love that movie so much but uh, you're going to come back and, and do that so you are, are you up for the challenge you're gonna be I, well it? okay I am and I've actually I saw Ishtar in the theater yep like the, probably the week it came out good my friend's brother worked at the movie theater so he used to sneak us into movies on opening weekend right we saw it we thought it was terrible <laughs> I've tried my best to never think of it again so it's been what what year to come out? Eighty seven. Eighty seven. So the last first and last time I ever saw this was in nineteen eighty seven. So, wow. so maybe now I look back years. On, yeah, maybe I'll look back and something in it will just click with me. I'll enjoy it more. But we will I, we will see. I guess I'm, I'm gonna pull a Chris and I'm gonna tell you all the reasons that I didn't like it. I that's think. okay because yeah. I like that movie a lot. So we're gonna have a lot of back and forth next week, and that's gonna be awesome, which is fine because I like that movie a lot. You don't, but we'll see. Maybe on a second rewatching. With 32 years of time to reflect, maybe you might enjoy it. Maybe not. I guess we're going to find out. But I tell you what, uh, you know what? Thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming yeah, by here. Sure. Being in studio, this has been nice great. Nice to do it in person. Something very different. We are both in the same studio and doing the show, which is fantastic. I tell you what, anybody else, if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can do so. At Amaron underscore DM. That's Derek. At C McBrien, that's me. McBrien is spelled I-E-N. Or you can always go to popgoesyourworld.com and find all of our contact information there. Make sure you reach out to us. We answer all of our emails and tweets and things like that. So make sure you reach out to us. But I tell you what, until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 